You're listening to the Freelance Friday Podcast. I'm your host, Latasha James. Whether you're ready to launch the side hustle you've been dreaming about, working to double your freelance income and go full-time, or just seeking inspiration from some of the smart, innovative folks I know, you're in the right place. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Freelance Friday podcast. I'm your host, Latasha James, or at the Latasha James on Instagram. I love it when you tweet and story along with the episode. So feel free to visit me over there. And today I'm doing a social media manager Q&A. Now, this format is a little bit new to the podcast, but nothing new to my YouTube fam. So uh, let's get started. I, I asked you guys for questions on Instagram and on the YouTube community tab. And here is what you want wanted to know. First question, should one consider having a client highlight on my IG? It feels as if I'm exposing clients. Interesting question. So I personally have a client love highlight on my personal Instagram, and that's where I just kind of showcase anytime I'm tagged in something that's like, oh my gosh, learn something cool from Latasha or just finish Latasha's course. Or when I get a personal message with permission, of course, I'll share, um, you know, if somebody had a major breakthrough after a coaching session, or they wanted to share a little testimonial or something like that. So I'll share select, you know, client communications in that client love highlight. And I do think that it is a really good place to put some of that stuff. You know, new people who first come to your Instagram are going to look at it and it acts as a little bit of social proof. Social proof is really everything when it comes to getting clients or not everything, but it's, it's a huge piece. So I personally like having that. Then on the agency Instagram, I do have a highlight, which I think is called portfolio. And that highlight just showcases select projects. I'm really not very good at updating it. I should probably go through an ad and remove some things, but really I just put in there projects that we're really proud of. So things that I kind of want to share, things that I'm really excited about. And of course, things that I kind of want to show off. So the long story short is I think be selective with it. And I think you want to be selective, not even for the kind of exposing clients and maybe potentially having some people poach your ideas or poach your clients or whatever, not even just for that perspective. But I think it's also important, you know, if I have a client from the IT industry, let's say an IT company, they don't really want to see everything I've ever done in my whole entire life and career. They really just want to see examples, case studies, portfolio work from that industry. So, you know, unless you are super, super niche down, which this person who asked actually really is and does a good job of that. So all of her clients are probably quite similar, but for a lot of us who maybe do work in different industries, you really want to tailor the examples you're showing to that client anyway. If you haven't checked it out yet, there is a video all about portfolios and case studies that goes along pretty nicely with this. So I will uh, link that in the cards on YouTube in the show notes on the podcast. Next question says tips for staying on top of your own branding when overwhelmed by client work. Yeah. Um, tell me about it. <laughs> you know, it's hard because working on a personal brand is so flipping important. It really is, but often it can just get pushed down to the wayside when we're working on our clients, right? Cause those are the most important things. And I always say, focus on revenue generating activities first and posting on Instagram, may or may not make us money right away, you know? So I, I, I totally understand that. I, I manage this in a couple of ways. One, I batch and I repurpose. So all of the content that I create for the most part can be used again and on different platforms. I'm very, very rarely 
creating something that can only be used once and only on one platform. So example, you know, this YouTube slash podcast is podcast and YouTube, right? So that's two uh, use cases right there. I'll also probably repurpose bits and pieces of it throughout the month on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, Facebook, and I'll also probably take snippets of what I said, use them as Instagram captions, Instagram stories, you know, so, so that really does help. I also batch. So when I sit down to record a podcast, nine times out of 10, I'm recording at least two in one sitting. I'm usually not just recording one unless I have something, you know, that's really time sensitive that I need to get out there. So those are two ways that have really helped me. And then I also think just scheduling it onto your calendar. You know, I, have certain days of the week. Usually it's Mondays that are kind of my admin days where I am really not taking a ton of meetings or or really any at all. I block my calendar from new discovery calls and I only work on admin type stuff. So maybe it's accounting, sending invoices, updating my website, working on my social media, filming a video, that kind of thing so that they can't be interrupted. I always say, you know, I'm huge on guarding your calendar. Make sure that if you need to get something done, You are not letting people schedule discovery calls or anything like that over that time. I got a question on buying followers. This one says, how do I buy followers only from one area safe app recommendations? So in my opinion, uh, there are no safe apps for buying followers. I'm sorry to let you know, that's not something that I support or that I like doing for a number of reasons. So unfortunately I am not, um, I'm not sure now. There are ways to run ads to specific areas, and maybe that's what this person was asking, hopefully. Um, You know, if you run an Instagram ad through Facebook's business manager, or ads manager rather, that is going to give you the most targeting options. So if you pull up your phone and, you know, you go to an Instagram post, actually, I don't even think this person was specifically asking about Instagram, I'm not sure. But anyway, for Instagram, you know, when you go to your phone, you pull up your, your Instagram post and you click on promote, that is a good place place to start and just kind of test out running some Instagram ads. It's basically like a boost. But if you want to get really, really nitty gritty with the targeting, this person asked about one area. So you can get as, as you know, um, detailed as a, a certain city, or you can go broader and just target certain countries or even certain languages if you use Facebook's ad manager. So that's definitely what I recommend. Like I said, looking back at this question, I don't even think they specifically asked about Instagram. So if you are asking about Facebook, you can run, it used to be called called a page likes ad, but I think now it's called um, a page promotion ad or something of that nature. So you can basically promote just your Facebook page and it does essentially buy you followers, but it's an ad. So it's not, it's not the same as buying followers. The reason that an ad is better than buying followers and using one of those apps is because they're targeted. You can layer in other targeting like interest-based targeting or, you know, gender, language, education, all kinds of things to make sure that the people who are following you are actually in your target audience, as opposed to buying, which is against terms and conditions. And it also, there's no guarantee about what kinds of people are gonna be following you. A lot of times they're what they call like farms, where they're literally like nobody. They're just farms of people just tapping and following, and it really does you no good in the long run. How to perform an Instagram audit. And then I got another question on how to audit a company's uh, social media. Good questions, and I'm actually really excited to let you know that I am coming out with a resource for this and a bunch of other onboarding and social media management 
uh, needs very, very soon. Tune into my webinar. I'll be having a webinar next Thursday. I'll have all the details on that linked down below. You can sign up for that and it'll be a good time. We'll be talking a little bit more about the onboarding process and really kind of how to get that client relationship off to the right foot. And these are all some of the things that we're going to be covering. And I also have really exciting uh, resource, like I said, that I'm going to be introducing very, very soon. So uh, the short version of that, because I could talk about this all day is, you know, this is super important, right? Before setting any social media goals, it's very important to know where your client is at, like know what they're doing now, what's working, what's not working. So I just kind of have a sheet that I use with sort of a checklist of things that I look for. I look for things like how many followers they currently have, what their engagement rate is currently like, or are their pages and platforms set up correctly? Meaning do they have an up-to-date profile picture, a banner photo or, or cover photo? Is their about section, their bio section, their website link, is that all working and up to date? Uh, I look at, what else do I look at? Number of times that they're posting each week and just kind of go through a checklist of all of the things that in an ideal world, a page would be doing in their industry. So it, it is a little bit different. You know, I'm gonna make different recommendations by industry. If it is an IT company or like a, a conference, a tech conference or something, I'm probably not gonna be recommending quite as many shoppable Instagram posts and stories as a beauty or fashion brand, right? So you do kind of have to tailor these things but I do have sort of a general checklist of things that I look for. And yeah, then I just take a look at how they're performing. I give them kind of an overall wrap up with some analysis and kind of break that up into steps that I am then going to work on and actually start fixing for them. So I hope that's helpful. This question, I'm sorry to laugh at your struggle. Um, I don't mean to laugh at your pain, but this one really cracked me up. He says, is it good to say no to your first client if he sucks or no matter what you have to work for him? If your client sucks for a justifiable reason, if it's if it's not just, oh, he was annoying or, you know, uh, whatever, it's like some, some overly sensitive reason, you don't have to work with him. Now, uh, you know, sometimes our egos get a little bruised and maybe we think somebody sucks when they really do not and we're just being sensitive. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Let me say, I'm not a lawyer and I don't know what your contract looks like. So I guess that's really my answer because you really need to follow the contract. And that's one of the reasons that I definitely recommend having an attorney drafted contract or going with a really, really, really solid template that was drafted by an attorney because you know, you want to have an out. You want to have a clause in there that says how many days you need to give if you do decide to terminate the contract and all of that. So I'm not gonna get into all the legal stuff because I'm not a lawyer, but hopefully your contract does say something. A lot of times it's like 15 days notice, either party can, you know, back out of the contract. So double check whatever you signed. Now, if you're kind of stuck with it, you don't wanna break that contract. Even if it's, you know, it's, it's a slow contract, he's probably not gonna come after you and, and do anything legally to you. You still don't want to break that contract. It's just a very unprofessional look in my opinion. So finish the job, get to a stopping point. Again, unless it's like full on abusive, if somebody is, you know, being completely inappropriate, I say, do what feels right for you. But if it's just they're kind of annoying or they're not the best client ever, try to get to a good stopping point and also try to get them to a point where you can give them another solution. Maybe it's another recommendation for a different social media manager. Maybe it's just helping them get a job post set up for Upwork, something like that. If it's just you guys aren't really seeing eye to eye and they're not really abusive or something like that. 
Hey freelancer, hate to interrupt the show, but just wanted to make sure you knew about the Freelance Friday Club. It's my exclusive membership community and features monthly mastermind calls, an accountability group, and access to over a dozen masterclasses covering everything from sales funnels to freelance job board success. Best thing about it, the first month is on me. Visit freelancefriday.club to get started. Back to the episode. Do you have any advice or tips on building teams? Another good question. So I say, you know, first things first, start small and start with clearly defined goals and roles. So really first step is to do a time audit. I ask pretty much all of my coaching clients to do a time audit to see what they're actually spending time in their businesses doing each day. And a lot of times people are surprised. I'm always shocked when I do one. I'm like, oh my gosh, do I really spend like, 20 hours a week editing videos, maybe I should hire a video editor. And then I never do because I love it too much. So anywho, um, figure out exactly what you're, which you have gaps in, um, what you are spending a lot of time doing when you want to be doing something else, etc. So do a time audit and then start small, you know, come up with one role that can kind of fill those most urgent needs. So maybe there are things that you're absolutely not doing that you really, really need to. Maybe there are things that you, like I said, are spending way too much time on when you could be actually spending that time doing something that maybe earns you a little bit more revenue. And I often would recommend hiring contract first just to see how things go. And I like to have a defined start and end date for the contracts as well. So I'll usually start with, Hey, I'm going to hire somebody for a three month freelance contract just to see how they perform, how we get along, how the workload is for them. And then maybe I'll extend it to six months or a year or just keep, you know, renewing three month contracts. I think three months are good because they give you a good amount of time to see how you actually work with that person but they also are not so long that if it's not working out, you know, you're not kind of tied to it forever and things like that. So that's kind of where I recommend starting. I also recommend hiring people for who they are above everything. And what I mean by that is I think sometimes we get hung up on, oh my gosh, like I need a admin. I need a VA. I need a social media manager. I needed this. I needed that. And we try to find the person who has like the most perfectly aligned experience ever to our business, which is, is part of it. But I think without having that personality fit, without having somebody who you can trust and rely on, you know, those are things that you really can't teach. I'm a firm believer that you can teach skills. You can, you can buy your new employee a course. You can send them to a conference. They can learn stuff if they're the right fit for you, but you really can't teach reliability. You can't teach trust. You can't teach being a good person very well. So hire for who they are, find the right people, and then kind of try to fit them into the roles that you have available. Can I work as a social media manager when I study alone on internet? If yes, which site can I try for working as freelancer and self-taught person? Yes. That's one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about freelancing because yes, I do have a traditional college degree, but you know, the last time somebody has asked me what I went to school for or asked me to see my, my degree or even my resume, 
oh my gosh, people don't really ask me for that very often as a freelancer. And I think that's great because I think this is really kind of the democratization of this industry. Without a degree, you can't get a lot of traditional nine to five jobs in this industry, but you can as a freelancer. So my tips for you are to always self-educate, stay on top of courses, stay on top of conferences, you know, continue watching videos like this that are going to educate you. So you are growing your skill set, even without that traditional piece of paper. Now, as far as finding a job, Upwork, there is an area where you can add your college, but I don't think that it's at all necessary to get on a site like Upwork. That has personally been the freelancing site that has been the best fit for me. You know, there are lots of other ones out there, but Upwork has been kind of the best, um, the best one for me. Okay. This question says more on onboarding. How do you go about asking your clients for all their passwords? Again, definitely tune into the webinar. If you're interested next Thursday, I will leave the link down below for you to register because I will be sharing a new resource that is going to really help you out with this. But, um, for passwords, I like LastPass. I think LastPass tends to work quite well for exchanging passwords. It's encrypted. So it's a safer version of sharing passwords rather than kind of using a Google doc or, um, writing it down on a piece of paper or something like that. Another thing that I'll sometimes do if a client is having a hard time giving me access to something, maybe they're not really understanding the tech of LastPass or of just, you know, adding me to uh, their page as an admin on Facebook or whatever. I'll just hop in a Zoom call with them and have them share, share their screen with me and we can kind of walk through it together. I noticed that that just sometimes it just takes up the least amount of time and is just the easiest for both of us. Okay. I think, is this the last question? I think this is the last question. This one says recently had to fire a client because it just wasn't a good fit. Any advice on this? Oh, where do I even start? Um, sorry you had to experience that. It's not very fun. You know, I do think that and I, of course, I don't know the full details of the situation, so I'm in no way blaming you or anything like that. But I do think a lot of this comes from the outset of the relationship, the beginning of the relationship. You know, I always have discovery calls before I sign any contracts just to make sure that I'm talking to the person and, and not just the company, but like the person that I will be interacting with the most. So sometimes a CEO will be the one to hire me, but I'll actually be working hand in hand with a marketing manager and maybe the marketing manager and I aren't a great personality fit. So I want to make sure that I have a discovery call with whoever I'm going to actually be involved with, not just the the hiring manager or the CEO or whatever. So that's something that you can do to kind of scope things out and see how, you know, how everything seems to be going. I also think that it's a lot about expectations. So when you are sending those onboarding materials and you're really, you know, getting them set up with all the systems and all the tech and you're setting all of those goals and building out the strategy, it's important that you guys are aligned on what the goals are and also timelines. I feel like those are two areas that a lot of us tend to get kind of hung up on. If the client is expecting like the most beautiful, robust social plan to be done in a week and you know that you need a month to actually get it fully rolling and off the ground, that should be something that's communicated. And it really is our job as the service provider to provide that kind of timeline and those expectations at the outset. I also think that communication styles is 
an area that a lot of people get hung up on. And I definitely recommend putting this in your onboarding materials as well as what times during the day you're available so that you're not getting, you know, phone calls or emails at 11 o'clock at night, expecting them to be returned right away. So make sure to let them know, you know, what your turnaround time tends to be. And also the, the style that you prefer to communicate. For example, I tell my clients like, email me. I'm telling you, a lot of people think that calling is like the way to skip the line. And it's not actually, I have my phone constantly in silent, often have it in other rooms. I don't check it. I'm really bad about even my friends, family, like I'm the worst with my phone. And the reason that is, is because everything is organized super nicely in my emails. I know where to find things. I'm quick about responding to emails. Things have forms, things have different sequences, automations, you know, it's just so much better and it's trackable. If somebody says, oh, I sent you an email last week about the Instagram post, I can just search my email versus trying to remember a verbal phone call, you know? So put all of that stuff into your onboarding materials because I, I do notice sometimes people do get upset when that is not aligned. I also think just being open, you know, if something isn't working for you, if you are getting phone calls and I'm just making this up, I don't know why, why you had to fire the client, but you know, if you are getting weird expectations, getting phone calls in the middle of the night, whatever, you need to bring it up immediately, bring it up at the first offense. And it's not to say that you need to say, listen, this isn't going to work out. You called me at night. It's just a gentle, Hey, I forgot to mention to you. I, I did see that you called me at 9 PM last night. Forgot to mention to you that my office hours are nine to five Monday through Thursday. So, um, just a heads up, I'll get back to you in the morning when that thing happens, you know, something of that nature it doesn't need to be this aggressive thing, but you definitely do have to call those things out because people don't know what they don't know. And a lot of times they won't know that they're being naughty or bad, or that they're being offensive or harming the relationship relationship in some way, unless you let them know. So those are kind of my tips for, for avoiding that next time. But, you know, again, similar to the question that was asked earlier, make sure their contracts are, you know, up to date that they have some type of a termination clause, I think is what, what it's called that really details how you would get out of a situation that wasn't working for you. And, and it's also there to protect the client too, you know, how they would be able to get out of this contract if you weren't performing for them. All right. So that's it for this social media manager Q and I hope that it was helpful for you. Again, I'm going to be having a webinar all about the five things your social media management business needs to do to thrive in 2021. 2020 has just been quite the year. And I think I think we are all ready to get our businesses off on the right foot for the new year. And the time is now it's Q4 fourth quarter of 2020. We need to start thinking about 2021. So definitely sign up for the webinar. We're going to be covering a lot of the things that you all had questions about onboarding contracts, all the good stuff, and also be sharing a new resource that I think is going to help you out a lot. So link down below and in the show notes if you're on the podcast. And I hope you all enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Show notes for this episode are available at latashajames.com slash podcast and contain all of the links I may have mentioned today, as well as an invitation to join my private Facebook group, the Freelance Friday Podcast Community. You can also learn about my ultra exclusive membership community, the Freelance Friday Club. Oh, and if you liked what you heard, please be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or throw me a testimonial over at latashajames.com slash contact. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon.